0: A very good morning to each and every one of you. If you uh, have your Bibles with you, uh, we are going to be looking at 1 Chronicles chapter 21 today. The last few times I spoke to you, we looked at... uh, lessons from the life of Daniel, and I thought I'll start a new series on lessons from the life of David. And uh, so, of course, there's hundreds of incidents to pick out from David's life, but I thought uh, today I'll take a few verses from uh, 1 Chronicles 21, which is one of the great failures uh, in David's life. And so... We will start by looking at the first eight verses of 1 Chronicles 21, and I'll ask Dean to read it for us. 1
1: Chronicles chapter 21, verses 1 to 8. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number (coughs) Israel. And David said to Joab and the rulers of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, the Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. And all they of Israel were a a thousand, a thousand, and a hundred thousand men that drew the, the sword. And Judah was four hundred threescore and ten thousand men that drew sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly, because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly.
0: Thank you, Dean. The major theme of this book uh, of 1 Chronicles is about preparation for the building of the house of God. And in, verses, in chapters 15 and 16, to set the stage, the ark was brought to Jerusalem. And then in chapter 17, uh, Solomon had been designated as the man who was going to build the house of God. And then in chapters 18 and 20, we saw that, or uh, you can see that wars were fought so that the ne- necessary materials and the conditions of peace could be created to build the house of God. And then here in chapter 21, one of the great failures of David's life is recorded. Now, the first lesson that I want you to notice is this. It is one of those incidents in the Bible that demonstrates God's ability to turn evil circumstances to his own advantage. You see, his ways are past finding out. We always come across difficult circumstances in our lives. But you know, God has a way in turning uh, circumstances from bad to good. And this incident in David's life demonstrates that. I'd like to give you an, there are several examples in the Bible. I'd like to give you an example of how God turns evil to good. The first example I'd like to show you is found in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. Genesis chapter 50, and verse 20. And uh, here Joseph uh, was with his brothers who had betrayed him and they were just about to start their journey back. And Joseph is talking to his brothers here and he says, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass. You see, David, uh, Joseph's brothers, they meant evil For Joseph. But did you see that God used the circumstances to turn it for good? And then another example that we can see is in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Persecution had scattered the early church, but God used it for the furtherance of the gospel. Acts 8 and verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. You see, persecution scattered them everywhere. They would have thought it's disaster in our lives. But God used those circumstances for good and the gospel spread. So in your life too, just like in David's life, if you are facing poor or bad circumstances, remember that God can turn it for good. So that's the first lesson I want us to know this morning. Let it encourage our hearts. When we are caught up in adverse circumstances, let us trust our God to work out his own purposes. Then I want you to notice the second lesson is the significance of the timing of this event. You see, just when final victory over the old force was uh, effected in chapter 20, this calamity took place in David's life. You see, it's one of those occurrences in the Bible that highlight the dangers of success. When you are successful in your life, you need to be most aware because next moment, you could be facing danger. They say that victory can be the back door to defeat. And you know, there are numerous examples in the Bible. Take, for example, Elijah, how he won that great victory on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal. And then the next moment, he was having even uh, suicidal thoughts in his mind. <clears throat> and uh, Joshua, uh, the humiliation of I. When he was at that city, it followed the triumph of Jericho. So always remember that uh, once you experience success in your life, be aware, because that is a time when Satan could attack you most. Then the third lesson I want you to notice is that this satanic attack on David took place when he was An aging man. You see, he was the veteran of many military campaigns. But now, he was nearing the end of his marathon life. But, you know, the devil is such a person that he does not even spare an old man. You know, preachers, we are always giving uh, advice to the young people. We're always saying, you know, do this, don't do that, this advice, that advice. Well, this is advice for the older, the more mature uh, people that are here today. <clears throat> you see, we need to be spiritually alert right until the end of our journey. Amen. Cannot let for one moment, even if you are a very mature senior believer, you cannot let your guard down for one second. Take the example Of Noah, we'll have a look at this Genesis chapter 9 and verses 20 and 21, Genesis chapter 9 and verses 20 and 21, and Noah began to be a husbandman and he planted a vineyard and he drank of the wine and was drunken and he was uncovered within his tent. Noah achieved great victory. You all know the story of Noah and the ark. But the next moment after that great victory, here he was experiencing spiritual defeat. And he was a mature old man. Satan did not spare him. So this is a lesson for the elderly and uh, mature. Let Satan's attack on David be a warning for us all. We will never be free of Satan's unwanted attention. Then I want you to notice next that, uh, the next lesson I want you to notice is that God allowed Satan to attack David. But this was very much a situation like when Job faced. Job's situation was not dissimilar. Uh, He was allowed to attack Job and bring much catastrophe to Job's life, but God was always in control. And right here, God was in control of this situation. Okay, let's go to verse one now of 1 Chronicles chapter 21. And the first thing I notice in this verse is, it says, and Satan, this is the very first time in the Bible that we are given the name of Satan. The very first time in the Bible, his name is revealed to us right here in 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 1. The devil has a personal name and his name is Satan. And this conveys the idea of an adversary. Now, uh, there are several names that Satan has and we don't have the time to go into each of them. But there is one verse I would like to point out to you that gives us a little cluster of the names of Satan. And this is found in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 2. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 2. And here are some of the names of Satan. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan. So here is... Some of the names of Satan. So he's the dragon, which describes a bit of the cruelty uh, that is depicted in Revelation chapter 12. And then he's also known as the old serpent. And you know what happened with Eve when he first uh, encountered Eve and how he tricked her. And then he's the devil, which means the slanderer. He goes around accusing our brethren and then here, he's in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 1, he's Satan, an adversary who is always against the people of God, always trying to bring down the people of God. Now, so it tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 1, and Satan, and then it says, stood up. He stood up. You see, elsewhere, we notice that Satan is always a restless person. He's never seated in one place. Take a look at Job chapter 1 and verse 7. Job chapter 1 and verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down it. What is Satan doing? He is spending his time walking up and down the earth, looking to see which one of you he may devour. Yes. He's never seated in one place, always on the move, seeking whom he can trip and fall. And here, in 1 Chronicles 21, he stood up. There is another verse that is given to us that illustrates a little bit about the character of Satan, and that is found in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, I'll read it to you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, Seeking whom he may devour. Satan is always on the move, prowling around to seek who he may devour. And then, I want you to notice next that, uh, so in this verse, he rises up from his throne, not to prowl the earth, but to stand up against the hated people of God. There is another verse that I would like to show you, which gives us a little insight into what is happening in the realms that we don't see, how Satan is operating. And this is found in Zechariah chapter 3, and the first couple of verses, please. Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 1, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And then verse 2, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord hath chosen Jerusalem, rebuke thee. So there we have uh, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And notice what it says, Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. So what is depicted here, it's a kind of a courtroom scene. There you have Satan standing at the right hand like a prosecuting counsel. And then there he was trying to uh, strike the nation of Israel through its religious leader, the high priest. But here in our verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 1, He was trying to attack the children of Israel through its political leader, King David. He was attacking the high priest in one area, thousands of years apart. And here he was attacking the political leader, David. So you see, thousands of years have gone by, but his characteristic has not changed. Uh, Centuries divide the incident, but... The passing of time shows that the evil one Satan, he is an incorrigible person. Then, I want you to notice another thing from 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 1. It says, Satan stood up, and the next words, against Israel. Against Israel. Now, you notice, whom does Satan want to attack? It was Israel. But what do we read into that? How did he choose to attack Israel? He chose to attack Israel through its leader, King David. You see, he didn't choose to go and attack the whole of the nation. No. He always attacks the leader. Because if you, the leader falls, then the whole nation falls. So, you see, Uh, This is a challenge for leaders. Uh, Failure on our part, it impacts on everyone. And in 2 Chronicles, you will see this over and over again, uh, the spiritual health of the kingdom of Judah. When the king of Judah was spiritually in a good condition, the people of the kingdom were all doing well. But you will see that when the spiritual condition of the king went down and he was doing some evil or wicked thing, well then, all the people were in the same position themselves. So, let leaders remember that we can be such an influence for good, but we can also be special targets for the enemy in his attempts to injure the whole people of God. Now I want you to next notice this, the next lesson. It says in 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 1, he provoked David. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about the powers of Satan. His powers are amazing. You see how a mature man like David, he was able to provoke him. Now, let me give you some examples. Because you see, Satan is able to remove from your heart and your memory all the good things that you have been taught from the word of God he can do it just like that he's so powerful let me give you an example john chapter 13 and verse 2 just to give you an example of how satan operates john chapter 13 and verse 2 <clears throat> and uh, the supper being ended the devil having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him. He has the power to put things into your heart. He can provoke you like he provoked David. He can put things into your heart. That's how powerful he is. Let me give you another example. Acts chapter five and verse three. Acts 5.3, and Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? He can provoke you. He can fill your heart. He can fill your heart. And he can also, just like he did to Judas, he can put things into your heart. Put it into your heart. Fill your heart. Provoke your heart. Do you see how powerful and adversary Satan is? And so we have to be extra careful when we are uh, going through our life because these are the things that Satan can do for us and we have to be aware of it. So, you see, sometimes, even I sometimes get what I think is a good idea. Good ideas, you know, it comes to all of us. But sometimes we have to test these good ideas. Are these good ideas from God or is it Satan? Because you see, he can provoke you, he can fill your heart, he can put things into your heart. You have no way of knowing whether your good ideas are devilish or good. And the only way to know that is test it against the word of God. Then you know whether those ideas are good or bad. Okay, so moving on. Uh, So uh, we are back in 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 1. And so he provoked David, and what was the sin that he provoked David to do? Well, it tells us here in verse 1 to number Israel. Why was this a sin? You may be asking yourself. Why was counting, numbering Israel a sin? And I'll ask Dean to please read for us Exodus, chapter 30, verses 11 to 16. Exodus, chapter 30, 11 to 16, please. Exodus, chapter 13, verses 11 to
1: 16. 30. 30. <clears throat> chapter 30 verses 11 to 16. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, when you take the, I'll read it from the King James. When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then they shall give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When thou numberest them, that there will be no plague among them when thou numberest them. This they shall give, every one that passeth among them that are numbered, half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary, a shekel is twenty gerahs and a half shekel shall be an offering of the Lord. Every one that passeth among them that are numbered, from twenty years old and above, shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your
0: souls. Thank you, Dean. This was why it was a sin. God's law had said that whenever you numbered the children of Israel, you had to give half a shekel contribution per person. So what David did on this occasion is that he numbered the people, but he didn't take the half a shekel contribution. It was to be used, as we just read, in the building up of the house of God. And here they were about to build a tabernacle for God. But David didn't take up that half a shekel. Now, in those verses we read, Uh, It's said there that if you don't do this, that a plague would come among them. And in this uh, portion that we are looking at, 1 Chronicles 21, you will see that a plague did take place. Verses 12 and 14, you will see that a pestilence swept the land. There's the lesson. God's warnings are ignored at our peril. His word, whatever he said, has great meaning and depth. Always lay hold of God's word. Don't ignore it. Because if God has said he will do something, he will do it. And that's what he did here in David's time. And then I want you to uh, notice the... We'll go back to 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 21 and verse... One, uh, there was no immediate danger from the enemy here. But David, why did he want to count the men here in this uh, instant? Why did he want to go and count and number all the people? Well, you see, the reason was that rather than rely on God for his security, he drew succor from what was visible and tangible his sin was diminished trust in God. Diminished trust in God. Now, we all like to sometimes feel the warm glow of our bank balance, for example. Or um, we like to have some kind of trust in our security of whatever sort that we like. You also make sure that you Maintain your trust in God and that you are always focusing on that. One way to know that is, for example, if uh, a diminishing in trust in God can be seen, if you have a desire to accumulate rather than to distribute or give towards God's word, let us be those that have a complete trust in God. And then uh, we'll move on to verse 2 of 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 2. And so David says, go and number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan. Now, sometimes I ask you a question, and uh, perhaps I'll ask you a question today. If you know the answer, you can raise your hand up. In the United States of America, what is the equivalent cities to Beersheba and Dan? Anybody knows? Raise your hands up. Very good. The equivalent cities is Barrow in Alaska, the northernmost city, to Key West in Florida, the southernmost city of the continental United States. Beersheba to Dan. He wanted the northern to the southernmost point. He wanted the captain of his army to go and count the people. That is what he said. So he said to Joab, go and number the people from Beersheba to to Dan. But notice that Joab, the captain of his army, in verse 2 uh, is the one who has been given the instruction to go and number the people, but he is not very keen. Now, I want you to notice that he argues his case before David. Notice in verse 3 that when Job answers and talks to David, Three times over, he uses the words, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Here's another lesson for us. We also have times in our life when we disagree with people. We also have times in our life when we don't agree with everything somebody else is doing. But we must never become argumentative, shout, try to force our view on anyone. Utmost respect was shown by Joab when he was talking to David, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, when he spoke to him. Let us also, if we don't agree with somebody else, let us never resort to arguments. Let us show maximum respect. Because you see, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. When you're angry, when there's wrath in your heart, that's not God's righteousness in being displayed. Then I want you to notice the beautifully constructed argument that Joab gave why we shouldn't do this. So have a look at verse 3. He said, uh, first he said, the Lord was in control of the democratics of the nation, you see that, the Lord maketh his people a hundred times so many more than they be. So in effect, Joab was saying, what need was there to know the precise number of men available because the Lord is in control? And then uh, next, I want you to notice that he also gives a very convincing argument secondly, Joab argued that all of David's subjects were loyal, so why take the trouble to go and count his trusty warriors? But my lord, the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why is there a need to go and count? You see, it was the old problem of wanting to fix something that is not broken. Isn't that right? Why do you want to go and count them? because are they not all your servants? And then the third thing I want you to notice in that verse was Joab's third argument was very compelling. David's actions would cause a trespass to Israel. He said, "Doth my Lord, uh, why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? You see, the whole nation... Would be accountable for David's sin. Now, this is a principle that is even is in operation today in this Christian era. The whole church at Corinth was leavened as a consequence of one man's behavior. Let me give you an example. In uh, Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1, there is another. Example, and it's from Achan. Joshua chapter 7, and verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan the son of Kamai, the son of Zabadiah, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took off the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled, against the children of Israel. Who did it? Achan. But the Lord's anger was against the entire children of Israel. So let us learn, there's a solemn warning to each and every one of us here today, that our conduct has a bearing on everyone that we are connected with. It even has a conduct among If one of you was to do something, it would reflect badly on your church. It would reflect badly on all those that you are mixing with. Guilt by association. And Joab had rightly assessed that if David went ahead and did this counting, numbering of the children of Israel, it would be a trespass to all. So let us also make sure that our behavior is of the highest standards because if you fall in sin, it also will have an effect against all the other members of the church. Sin is never a private thing. Then I want you to notice next in verse 4, twice over we read about the king's word in verse 4 and then also, In verse 6, the king's word. You see, Joab gave a beautifully constructed argument to David, one point after another. Sometimes when we are shown from the Bible, this thing in your life is wrong. This is what the word of God says you should do. But, you know, sometimes we get... Uh, what's the word, Instrument. we get proud. We don't want to obey. No, I will do it my way. David, the king's word prevailed. No, what I say will go. Even though Joab had given him all beautiful reasons, he was refusing to take it on board. Let us not be like that when our leaders, when those who are in charge of the church, our spiritual advisors are giving us advice, when they are showing us from the word of God, this is the right path, this is the right thing to do, let us be humble enough to accept their word and to make adjustments and come back to the right track in our life. The king's word prevailed. Now, there were many others also in scripture that were uh, uh, unwilling to listen to reason, but I have some examples, but I'm not going to uh, share with it with you because we don't have time. You see, to be strong-minded sometimes is a virtue, but there are times when this can also be our downfall. Even if you're a strong-minded person, be ready to accept when the Bible is showing you that what you're doing, is wrong. Then next I want you to notice this. Verse 4. Wherefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel. Joab decided to obey the king and he went out to do this wrong thing of numbering the people. Now, in your workplace or in your life, you may come across instances where your boss is asking you uh, to do things that you should never do. You see, there's a lesson for us here. We should never out of our own self-interest encourage others to do what is wrong. And when we are asked to do something wrong, we should always be cautious. For example, if you are a secretary, uh, perhaps your boss is asking you to tell a lie on his behalf. Sorry, he's not here. He's at a meeting when he's standing right in front of you. You know what I mean. And then our accountants are told to massage the figures or sales staff. They are instructed to shortchange the customer. You see, for a Christian, it takes courage, risk, to go against doing that. David here was pushing Joab, go and do something that is wrong, that is against the Bible. He did it. One is we shouldn't, he shouldn't have pushed him, we shouldn't push others to do wrong things but when we are in Joab's position also, it would have been wonderful if he was able to stand up to his master and let us also uh, walk honestly in everything. So uh, then Joab went and went throughout all Israel. Now, my time is almost up, so I'm going to just uh, recap what we have looked at today. Uh, This is one of those incidents in scripture That demonstrates God's ability to turn evil circumstances for good. That's the first thing we saw. Second thing we saw is the timing of the event. Just after victory in your life, remember, it can bring defeat. The third lesson that we saw was this attack on David happened when he was an old man. And you have to be spiritually alert right until the end of your journey. And then, fourthly, we saw that Satan attacks, but God is always in control, just like what happened to Job. And then, fifth, we saw a little bit about Satan. The first time his name is given here in the Bible as Satan, how he stood up against Israel. You know, he rises up, he prowls around, looking for whom he may be able to devour, And then we saw that uh, it was against Israel that Satan stood up, but he attacked the leader. So leaders need to be aware. And then uh, next we saw about Satan's powers are amazing. How he provoked David. How he filled the heart. uh, How he put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Remember that lesson. And then we also saw the lesson of ignore God's warnings at your peril. God had said, take a collection of half a shekel. They didn't do it. He said, if you don't do it, a plague will come upon Israel. And sure enough, in David's time, when he didn't do it, the plague came on Israel. And then we saw the lesson of relying on something for tangible and visible, rather than relying on God for security. Let us be those that, not like David, need to go and count things to see how strong we are. Let's have the word of God in our heart and rely on God for our strength. And then we saw the lesson of Job. He disagreed, but yet he wasn't argumentative about it, He used very nice, calm language, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, when he spoke. Don't get angry. Don't get upset. Don't shout when you don't agree. Maximum respect. Then only, you are a true child of God when you show Christ-like qualities. And then uh, we also saw the lessons of when one person sins, it affects the whole company. David did this sin, and it affected everybody. So out of respect for all those other members in your church, your family, your friends, you also make sure that you are not doing something that will affect everybody. Everyone's name is affected. Guilt by association. And then next we saw about the king's word. Hard-hearted. He wasn't willing to give in even when reason was shown to him. Don't be like that. Be soft-hearted. Be somebody who's willing to take advice when it is shown to you from the Word of God. Change your ways. Make adjustments in your life. And then, finally, we saw that never push others to sin. Even if you want to do it for seemingly good reasons, perhaps David thought, but we shouldn't do that. Push others to go and do something wrong. And if you're asked to do something wrong in your workplace, like uh, secretaries or accountants, as I said to you, make sure that you are not uh, involved in something that is not right. So uh, uh, I'm sorry I meant to do eight verses, but I've only got through four. Uh, But uh, uh, perhaps the next time God will allow us to continue. Okay, we'll close in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for this opportunity to look into Thy Word. We thank Thee, Our Father, the things that are given in the Bible are there for our learning. We thank Thee, Our Father, that from the life of David, there are many things that we can learn. And we pray, Our Father, that we would be aware of all the dangers that Satan brings to our life, how he tries to trip us, how he tries to put things into our heart to bring us down, and let us walk our Father with maximum awareness. Uh, and let us be make that bring us closer to Thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Part us now with thy blessings. We ask this all in the Savior's name. Amen.